0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammond's ministries, visit cotr.com. Tonight uh, we are uh, concluding. On our spiritual fitness, we've been talking about spiritual fitness for several weeks, and we've been interrupted a few times. But tonight is our last lesson. It's lesson number ten tonight of our spiritual fitness, and and we've been following the life of Joseph, and we've been adding to ourselves some exercises each week. And each time we get together, I've been encouraging you to take on another aspect of the character of Joseph. And now we're getting to the last chapters in the book of Genesis, okay, to the, to the last uh, um, bit of Joseph's life. Joseph's life uh, begins in chapter 37, and it goes all the way through chapter 50, the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph is the most prolific character in, in the book of Genesis, in this book of beginnings, I believe that God shows us more through the life of Joseph than, than perhaps any other continuing character for that long. He follows Joseph in, in, in his ups and downs, in his normal life. If we would dare to put ourselves into Joseph's shoes and realize he was just, he was just normal like me and you. Hey, uh, he had a mom and a dad who loved him and cared about him. He had, he had, uh, you know, some brothers and some sisters and, uh, uh, and, and, and his brothers didn't care about him too much uh, because, uh, you know, he was, he was a younger brother. He was next to the youngest and he was, he was uh, daddy's favorite. He was, he was from, uh, you know, a a son from Rachel and daddy just loved her so much. And, and, you know, and, and uh, he just loved Joseph more than he loved the other kids. And that set up some sibling rivalry. And Joseph evidently enjoyed that and may have even played to it a little bit. And it ends up that early in life, Joseph got on the wrong side of his brothers. And, and the Bible tells us in, in Genesis 37 that Joseph went to check on his brothers. He went about, oh, 50 miles away from home to check on how the brothers were doing. And the brothers saw him coming. And they conspired Ten of his brothers conspired to kill him so they wouldn't have to put up with him anymore. Wouldn't have to put up with him tattletaling on him. And before he got there and they had conspired to kill him, his oldest brother, Reuben, spoke up for him. We learn from that that it's important who you know know, uh, is important. In fact, if who you know gets you into heaven, then who you know will work for a lot of other things. It's not always just what you know, but it's who you know that counts. And it's important that we pay attention to our relationships. Joseph showed us that because Reuben speaks up for him and saves his life. And they put him in a pit. And then Reuben is gone for a little while. And wouldn't you know it, one of the other brothers named Judah. Judah said, hey, let's sell him. Let's make some money out of this guy. I mean, you know why? I mean... What good would it do to really kill him? I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we, we may as well make something off of him. And so they ended up selling him to some people who were just riding by on camels going down into Egypt. And so he went down into Egypt and Joseph became a slave there. And Joseph showed us so many things. He showed us what to do whenever we are treated in a way that we don't deserve to be treated. Joseph, you know... He continued to present himself well. He continued to participate. He continued to do his very, very best wherever he was. He was honest. He was a man of integrity. Even when others around him were lying, he would not lie to get out of trouble. He showed us so many principles that we don't treat other people the way they treat us. We treat other people the way we want to be treated. And uh, that, that set him apart, and it continued to promote him so that without regard as to where he found himself in life, he was always promoted. He was always thought well of. He was always put in charge. And he found himself at one point in charge of the whole nation, second only to Pharaoh. Let me encourage you to, to, to read this story from Genesis chapter 37 all the way through the end of Genesis to, to get a real good picture, a real good handle on all that Joseph went through. <clears throat> and every time you see Joseph challenged, Realize that he's struggling, he's wrestling, he's growing. You see, God had a plan for his life, just like God has a plan for your life. You see, God has a perfect picture of you. God has a picture, God has an image of a perfect you in his mind. God has an image of a perfect you. And every day he's encouraging you to get a little closer to that. Every day he's giving you uh, answers. Every day he's supplying you the answers to the, to the test that you're going to be taking in life. You know, the, the, the simple truth is, is, is that the, the, the difference between success and failure uh, is it, just two things. Number one, knowing the answer to the question. That's the difference between success and failure, knowing the answer. Number two, applying that answer. That's all. No matter what test you take, success will be dependent upon you knowing the answer and then writing it down. Doing it, you know. Uh, if it's, if it's a, a, you know, a test of some physical agility, it's knowing that agility and then doing it. it. Whatever it is. There's nothing any more difficult than that. And so the answer to success in our marriage the answer to the success in our money, the answer to the success in our ministry, the answer to the success in our raising our children, the answer to the success in our, in our community endeavors is as simple as knowing the answer, okay? Success is just as simple as knowing the answer. Success in marriage, knowing the answer to the test that we are facing and then applying that answer. The answers come from God. And every day, in every way, God is trying to get the answers to us. And the Bible tells us in many different ways that that we are like clay and God does his best to mold us. That, that many times God speaks to us and for a, a, a myriad of reasons we don't comprehend what he's saying. Maybe, uh, maybe we're busy. Maybe we're hurt. Maybe we have other filters of other things that have happened in our life. Uh, or, or, or maybe we're just stubborn. Whatever the situation may be, you know, God is trying his best to get the answers to us. And we know that, that uh, a failure in life comes from not knowing the answers, or not, not, not knowing what's right, or not doing what's right. You know, Joseph experienced very little failure in life. He experienced hardship, but that's different than failure. He experienced people lying about him, but he didn't lie back on them. And because of all these things, he continued in whatever situation he was in to blossom. He continued to do well without respect to how life treated him. He continued to to have joy. He continued even uh, though he had been. Whenever we get to Genesis uh, chapter 43 in just a moment, 43, 44, 45, uh, we're gonna uh, just just cover those lightly and then 50. Okay, we we will we will find that. That Joseph has uh, now made a life in Egypt. He has been second in command to Pharaoh now for nine years. Okay, somewhere between nine and ten years now. Uh, he is. He is. Uh, uh, he was successful. In the seven years that God blessed the land and he gave the land a bumper crop, they they raised two, three, four, five times as much as they normally would have. And Joseph put a tax of 20% on everything that was raised and he saved it and he, and he, and he put it in the cities and, and he built a huge uh, a reservoir of food and after the seven years of plenty, there came two years, the first two years of the seven years of famine, and people were out of food. There were no refrigerators. They, you know, they, they had to grow their food each year. And not only were they out of food for, their, for themselves and their families, they were also out of food for their animals. And, and, and so people were having to buy food from Pharaoh, and Joseph was in charge of that. And there came a time whenever uh, Joseph now was about 38 or 39 years old, He had been in captivity for 25 years. He had been been sold 25 years earlier by his brothers. And now he had been in Egypt, even though he was ruler, and even though he only lived about, oh, maybe 30 or 40 miles from the border of Egypt. And then from the border of Egypt, the northern border of Egypt on uh, on the Negev, into uh, what, what uh, was Edom, it was only another 25 miles to where his daddy lived. So at most he was 65 miles or so, maybe with a stretch, maybe 70 miles from his daddy. That's just two days in a chariot. But for 25 years, he's been separated from his family. And for the last nine years, he's been in charge of everything. Why didn't he go home? Well, you know, this guy really was paying attention to the job at hand. And he knew that God was doing something in his life, something that only God can do. And so he's not uh, you know, pushing at the, at, at the reins. He's, uh, he's not living an aggravated, irritated, frustrated life, feeling as though that life has dealt him a, you know, a, a, a bad hand. He has faced everything, and the character qualities we learn from Joseph's life are so many. Tonight, we're going to learn number uh, 28, 29, and 30 of these these sessions, all right? And the first one we're going to learn is that how Joseph was persistent, okay? Joseph is a persistent man, okay? Persistence, this is something we need to add to our life. You see, Joseph keeps on keeping on. About a year earlier, whenever we get to this uh, uh, this scripture we're going to be going to in a moment. About a year earlier, Joseph's brothers had come to Egypt to buy grain. Joseph saw them. He accused them of being thieves. He accused them of being spies. They said, no, we're not. We have a daddy and a brother and a family back there. He said, well, hmm, if you're really telling the truth, Then one of you stay here, and the rest of you go back and get your little brother and bring him here. And when you bring your little brother here, I know you're not a liar. I know you're not spies. And so what could they do? He kept one of the brothers, Simeon. He put him in jail, okay? Put him in prison, And so the other brothers went back home and told daddy. And daddy said, oh my goodness, I can't send Benjamin back. Benjamin is my youngest son. I've already lost Joseph. If I lose Benjamin, then then, then I I may as well go ahead and die. And so daddy would not send Benjamin back. So it's been perhaps a year. At least all the grain is gone, all the food they took home. And they took a lot of food home. Joseph filled their sacks up. And they took a lot of food back home. And nothing grew again that year. And so they came to the place where, where Jacob told his sons, you're going to have have to go back and get get some more food down there in Egypt that's the only place food is and they said we can't go back down there if we go back down there without our brother he'll kill us and if we take our younger brother what's going to happen and so daddy finally said okay you can send Benjamin Judah said well daddy I tell you what I will make sure that Benjamin comes back I give you my word I I swear to you I will bring your young son back home Now, Judah is the same guy that sold his brother that said, Hey, let's sell Joseph. You know, now Judah, 25 years later, is saying, I promise you, you won't, you know, uh, this son will not go missing. So they go down. Well, when they get down to Egypt, Joseph releases Simeon. Now, Simeon may have been in jail for a year, and Joseph has never revealed that he's his brother. He's just been persistent. What's he doing? He's giving God time to do what only God can do because only God can deal with hearts. You know, sometimes we take the pressure off people. Sometimes we open up uh, just a little bit too soon, like an acorn out of time. Listen, there are some things that only God can do. And Joseph knew that he was in the middle of a God plan. And so he's just being consistent. He's being persistent. You know what persistence is? Persistence is remaining... On course and true to course, despite the pressure, despite the circumstances, despite the emotions, despite what we may feel, it's important that we have the ability to be consistent under the attack, even the attack of the enemy. We need to make sure that we are persistent. And so here he releases Simeon. He brings all the brothers into his house and they're seated at lunch. Now he's speaking, uh, you know, he's not speaking Hebrew. He's speaking the Egyptian dialect and they're speaking Hebrew and he's speaking through an interpreter. They don't know that he understands them and and they don't recognize him, but he recognizes them. And, And the Bible says that, that uh, when, when he saw them all sitting there together, he asked, well, how's daddy, you know, uh, uh, your dad? Is your dad still alive? And they said, oh, yeah, you know, daddy's still alive. And he's sitting there and he's seeing his, his, his full brother Benjamin sitting there and he can't restrain himself. The Bible says in, in chapter 43, verse 31, uh, then, then Joseph washed his face and came out and he restrained himself and said, serve the bread. Well, Joseph continued to play the game. He continued to, to play the game. He, he still didn't reveal himself. He continued persistently giving God opportunity to work because he knew that he could not break his brother's heart. He knew that bowing on the outside was not the same as bowing on the inside. You know, it's quite possible, you know, Blake's a, you know, a good-sized, pretty stout old boy. It's quite possible that that, he, that, that that if he wanted to, he could make me sit down, but I would still be standing up on the inside. And that does no one any good. It's important to realize that what God wants to do in the lives of other people is more just just the outward appearance. He had seen them bowing, but yet that would not be the fulfillment of all that God was doing. God was still working in their lives, and and Joseph had come to understand that the patience was something that he needed to give God an opportunity to work, and so Joseph just persisted in the game that he's playing, and and they said, we want to buy grain, and so he ends up giving them grain, and he ends up giving them back their money, putting it in their sack, they don't know about it, and he ends up taking his silver cup that belonged to Joseph and he had a servant hide it in the sack of Benjamin's sack. And so, you know, they take off and they're all going back home and wouldn't you know it, boy, here comes the army, here comes the police, stops his brothers. They said, somebody has stolen something, you know, from Joseph. They said, oh, no way, not one of us. He said, yeah. They said, well, whoever whoever stole it, that person will, will become... His slave. And sure enough, it was in Benjamin's sack. And the rest of the brothers just couldn't believe it. And so they all are hauled back to Egypt. And they're in front of Joseph now. And Joseph is saying, I'm going to make that young man my slave. It's quite possible Joseph just intended that if this didn't break him, that Benjamin would just stay with him and he'd send the rest of them back home without him. Wow. Joseph is being pretty persistent here. Only God is going to be able to break through and change his heart. And so here, uh, I, I think it's quite amazing. Many times when we think about this story and this account, we think about Benjamin being a little boy, right? A little 10-year-old boy, don't we think? I mean, I, mean, I was raised imagining Benjamin 10 or 12 years old, weren't you? No, he's 35. Benjamin has 10 sons by this time, okay? Benjamin has 10 sons already. You can read about that. Just follow the story. He already has 10 sons. Amazing, huh? He's about 35 years old. Jacob is 130 years old at this time. Back home, 130 years. Okay? Wow. Well, here, as he's telling them that Benjamin is a thief and Benjamin is going to stay here with me. Verse 16 of Genesis 44 says this. Then Judah said, look who's speaking up. You remember this? Remember Judah? Judah. Judah's the guy that promised, Daddy, I'll bring him home. And Judah is the guy that spoke up and sold Joseph to begin with. It was Judah's idea that, 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 that Joseph is down here. He's And Judah said, oh, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. Here he's he's... he's, uh, he's beginning to crack. Judah is beginning to break. He's beginning to say, now God is punishing us for something that we have done. God has found out what we've done. And now listen, we may as well just all become your slaves because God, but once, once, once God starts to punish you, you may as well just go ahead and give up. And that's what he's kind of doing here. And, and, uh, uh, but, but Joseph said, far be it from me that I should do so. I'm not, I'm not going to keep all of you as slaves. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. But as for you, you shall go to your father. Go to peace. Go in peace to your father. How in the world can they go in peace to their father? You know, Joseph continues to play this game right to the very end. It's amazing how a little rudder on a ship can turn a huge, huge, huge ship if you just keep that little rudder turned. It's amazing what persistence will do. It's amazing what a persistent confession will do. It's amazing what a, what, what a persistent application of a right answer will do. It's amazing what a persistent uh, application of peace or of joy will do in the situation. And here, he's just keeping just a little pressure here. Contrary to the winds, contrary to the driving waves, it's turning the hearts of these men and you know the Bible says that we shall reap in due season if we do not faint Uh, it's important to remember that 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 persistence is a key to us obtaining from God in fact the Bible says through faith and patience we inherit the promises that word patience is a Greek word that means persistence Through faith, through our trust in God and our persistence. Our refusing to, just, just persistence is the ability to remain constant under pressure. Refusing to bow under pressure. Here, Joseph is under a lot of pressure, internal pressure, external pressure. We talked about last week how important it is to realize that the outward pressures, you know, push in us. But our most formidable uh, temptations are those inward pressures, our fears, our struggles, our frustrations, our hurts, our pains. Those are the things that offer us the greatest uh, temptations in life. Well, the story continues as Judah intercedes with Joseph on behalf of his father you see, in Genesis 37 verse 26, as I said earlier, Judah was the one that led his brothers to sell Joseph. It was Judah that would, that would, um, that would also lead repentance and restoration. In Genesis 44 verse 33, you can lead it, read it later, but in Genesis 44 verse 33, Judah finally says, he says, listen, let me... Be held captive. Keep me as a slave. Send the boy back home. It will kill his father if he does not return home. Let me take his place. I believe that this unselfish act, I believe that when he could no longer uh, stand it, Judah broke. You see, Judah was an older man now. Judah was much, much younger whenever he uh, disliked Joseph and said, Let's sell him. But Judah's gone through a lot by now. You can read uh, Genesis chapter 38 and find out what Judah went through. Uh, Judah has, has has lost two sons already by this time. Judah's already went through quite a lot himself, and, and Judah's gone through heart, heartache and heartbreak, and, and Judah has even in, ended up having another two sons by a woman who was his daughter-in-law, and she acted the harlot, and, and now Judah, life happens to us. I don't know anyone who is the age and stage that Judah was, probably about this time, probably... Uh, 50 to 55, maybe 60. I don't know anyone that does not walk with a limp. I don't know anyone that does not wear sackcloth that has gone through that much life. And here Judah sees life from a different perspective. And and Joseph is big enough to allow his brother to have grown up and to have matured. Because when Judah unselfishly steps up to the plate and says, I see things differently now. Once I only wanted what was good for me, but now I understand that that I need to be poured out for others. and, And please save my dad. and and save my brothers and just take me instead with that unselfish act here now more than two decades after Joseph had been separated from his family and the hardship he'd gone through now was the true test of Joseph's heart Joseph heard his brother the brother that he no doubt heard say let's sell him now he's hearing him say It's all about my father. It's all about my brothers. I can't do this again. Could it be? Is it possible that Joseph, after all he had been through, could he? Would he be forgiving? Would he be able to forgive? That's the next thing we see in Joseph's life. You see, when he heard Judah, it broke his heart. Forgiveness is not the measure of the person who did you wrong, forgiveness is the measure of God in you. Forgiveness does not set the other person free, only God can set them free. Forgiveness sets you free. Forgiveness is something that is hard to understand until you see it from God's perspective. Forgiveness says nothing about me. God forgiving me says everything about him. And Joseph forgiving his brothers said nothing about them. You see, forgiveness is the responsibility of the person who has been hurt. It does not set the other person free, and it does not right a wrong, and it does not restore a relationship. There is a difference between forgiveness and restoration. Forgiveness is the responsibility of the person who has been offended. You see, I offended God with my sin. He forgave me. But it is my responsibility... To build a relationship with him. It's my responsibility to change. Because forgiveness is the responsibility of the offended party. Restoration is the responsibility of the one who does the wrong. And what Joseph saw. Was that Joseph saw. That restoration was possible. His brothers had changed. But whether they had changed or not. Whether restoration would happen or not, forgiveness was still his godly response to all of his hurt and all of his pain. And he recognized something in a flash. When we are willing to forgive and offer our heart to God, God's healing grace shows us a different perspective than we have ever seen before. Something miraculous happened in Joseph's life. Genesis 45 when Judas said take me instead the Bible says in verse 4 and Joseph said to his brothers come near to me so they came near then he said I am Joseph your brother who you sold into Egypt oh can you imagine what they were thinking but he could not contain himself any longer you see, he realized that, that there was something, that, that there was a dam in his own life that had to break. Just a moment earlier, he was willing to send them back in utter defeat to tell their dad that they, had, that they had lost another son. He was willing to send them back and keep his brother with him. He was willing to separate himself from his family and cause them great hardship. But something broke in his life. The dam in his own life broke as he said to them, and God gave him revelation, he said in verse 5, But now, 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 now I see, now, now. Do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here to preserve life. You see, that was the revelation that came to him in that moment of his personal breaking. So many other revelations, no doubt, were taking place in the room, but the one we're following, Joseph, when he forgave, it broke something in his life, and he was able to understand that God was the one that gave him the dream 25 years earlier. God was the one that sent him down to preserve life. God was the one that helped him in the pit, that helped him in the prison. God was the one that was with him in Potiphar's house and was with him in the palace. God was the one that gave him the wisdom for the seven years of plenty. And God was the one that would be with him in the seven years of famine. God was the one who brought his brothers and brought them again. And it was God that was going to save his family Through him. Wow. Forgiveness is the measure of God in the person who has been wronged. There's only one more thing I can tell you about Joseph as we close. And let me encourage you to read the rest of the story. Joseph had a dream when he was 37. Excuse me, he had a dream in Genesis 37. He had a dream when he was 17 in Genesis 37. He's right at 40 when his family moves down to Egypt here. Fast forward 70 years. Okay? 70 years farther. Joseph is now 110 years old. His family has been living with him in Egypt now for 70 years. They will stay there 430 years before Moses comes. They've been there for 70 years now, and Joseph is ready to die at 110. His brothers come to him, and their families come to him and say, Listen, now, uh, you know, uh, you, you've, you've been taking care of us all of this time. They were so concerned when his daddy died that, that, that they. His dad lived with him for 17 years. They were so concerned when his daddy died that he was going to be mean to them, but he never was. He took care of them. He, he blessed them. They were not slaves at this time. They were sheep farmers in Goshen, okay? He brought them all to him at 110. You can read about it in the last chapter of Genesis. And he said, listen, I'll paraphrase this. I've had another dream. I've had a vision. The Lord has spoken to me. I've had a revelation that one day God is going to send a deliverer and he's going to take you from here back to the land that God promised Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And when God does that, swear to me today upon your descendants that you will take My bones with you. Don't leave me in Egypt. Carry my bones with you. I've had a dream of a greater day. (laughs) Wow, can you imagine that? Can you imagine, he had a dream of a better day. What would a better day look like? You know, we talked about that when we talked about dreaming. If you don't have a dream, you know, if you can't get a a thought of what a better day would look like, if you can't imagine what a better day would look like, then you need to ask God to give you a dream, give you hope. Here he is, 110, he's about to die, and he's had a dream of a better day. Well, when Moses came, they loaded up his bones, and they carried him with them. Joseph went with them. He went with them to the Red Sea and he crossed on dry ground with them. He went with them to Kadesh Barnea and when they were sent out 40 years he wandered in the wilderness with them. He was there when they built a tabernacle. He was there whenever they, they, they saw the fire come down on the mountain. He was there when they crossed the Jordan River. They carried his bones across. And they carried his bones around Jericho. And they carried his bones to all the battles for another 25 years. And when you get to the last chapter of Joshua, Joshua 24, it's when Joshua is preaching a sermon at the burial of the bones of Joseph. Wow. I've been to his tomb so many times in Shechem. It's right there in the very first place that Abraham built an altar in the land of Canaan. Wow. Right there. What did Joseph see? I don't know, but I can imagine there's a passage in Matthew that says that when Jesus was resurrected, Some some prophets came up out of their graves around all around that area and went into cities and preached Christ. I can imagine Joseph might have wanted to be there at that point. That might I know, but but you know he's coming back on a white horse, uh, you know, in 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 glory. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, but I do. He he had a vision of a greater day. Even at his death, he knew that his greatest day was yet ahead, and he teaches us to always have an eye for the future without regard, without respect to what you're going through today or what you have gone through or what you face in the future, your greatest day is yet ahead if you can continue to let God give you dreams, give you a picture of what he sees in you. God has an image of a perfect you. And every day he's supplying answers for the test you're facing and for the test others around you face in life. Pass the test. Go to his word. You'll find the answers here.